This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for football, hockey, and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 65 65- 1-436-1120 or visit ticketkingonline.com For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings we present Bonus Chatter Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered and uninterrupted This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast If anyone was wondering who our emergency quarterback is at 1500 ESPN, it is Judd Zolgad. I'm old, but I'm here. Yep. Where's Wetmore, by the way? He's got some busy stuff going on. I hear it's a busy day at Target Field. Oh, it's a big day in baseball. Big day for baseball overall, yeah, baseball. not just Target oh, Field. Yeah, exactly right. Baseball, the hot stove. As you know, <laughs> Kramer, because you're such a baseball fan, oh, the hot stove never, ever rests. There's analytics to break down. There's pitching moves to be made. See, where does the hot stove... Uh, we don't even need to get... I don't even know what hot don't stove means. Don't touch the hot stove. I don't even It'll know what it means. <laughs> Judd is sitting in for Derek Wetmore, our usual uh, Wednesday co-star, co-host of the Purple Podcast. We're going to preview the Vikings against the Seattle Seahawks, the 6-5 and five Seattle Seahawks. They've lost a few stars, but their offense is still humming. Is this the Legion of Boom still? And then we'll get to where are we at with Sharif Floyd? Judd, I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. but every mid, midweek podcast leading up, we go through a where are we at with the young Vikings player. So I will basically take oh, okay. the mic for the last five minutes and discuss where are we at with Sharif Floyd. That's but outstanding. I'll, gen- I'll, I'll obviously generously, generously have you come in if you would like to talk about Mr. Sharif Floyd, because I think he'll have a big game on Sunday. First off, though, the Seattle Seahawks are coming off a loss, or a win, excuse me, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it was kind of a loss for their defense and for Jimmy Graham, who's out for the season with a torn patellar tendon in one of his knees. The Seahawks won a high-scoring game, which we're not really used to seeing from this team. Uh, I think it was 39-32 to was the final score against the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger absolutely torched him, but Judd, you were just saying this off the air. That's not what the Vikings are, and that's probably not how they're going to play this game, even though yeah. the Legion of Boom, quote-unquote, has been vulnerable. It's interesting because a lot of the talk Sunday night into Monday, Andrew, was the fact that people no longer fear the Seattle defense, and you shouldn't have to fear them. And this all sets up, if you're a fan from afar, to say, oh, boy, the Vikings could have a big game. But 
look, go back and look at the blueprint for what the Steelers did to Seattle, and that in no way resembles what the Vikings are going to try to do. The Vikings are not going to, in, in what promises to be a chilly day at TCF Bank Stadium, the Vikings are not going to tell Teddy, hey, you know what, Teddy, you come out and now it, it's your game. And Adrian, just lay back. I mean, this we have determined that the Vikings' offensive identity, rightfully so, is the run game, and it's Peterson. And so when you look at all the points that uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers put up on the Seahawks, last weekend that's fantastic it's also in my opinion in no way shape or form the blueprint that the vikings are going to use so it's not that seattle's defense is playing great but i also don't look at the passing yards and say teddy bridgewater is going to play the role of roethlisberger because that's not going to happen yeah and they were still opportunistic i believe they picked off roethlisberger at least three times in that game and so that's a situation where they're still getting the big plays but they're vulnerable now to some of these big ones and that happens when you turn over i think they they return eight starters from last year mm-hmm. but they still miss three obviously and you're right judd i don't assume the vikings are just going to say okay adrian after the you know mini stink you raised about not getting enough carries against green bay all of a sudden we're going to go back to you heavily against the falcons and then totally back off you against the steelers the Seahawks. This is who they are. They are a run first team. They are feeding Adrian Peterson. This team, and they, and you hear it so much, and it's such a cliche in sports. But they talk about fast starts, and with this team, it's not a cliche because they absolutely do need a lead, and that's how they play their best when they can just grind the clock down and feed Adrian Peterson. Sure. So they're not going to drop back and say, "Okay, Seattle Seahawks pass rush featuring Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and all these guys that get after the quarterback. Come feast on Teddy Bridgewater right. for forty dropbacks because we feel your secondary is vulnerable." That's not going to happen. They're not going to put T.J. Clemmings in that position. They're not going to put this offensive line in that position. So I totally agree with you, Judd. I think it's going to be another big Adrian Peterson day. Uh, it's it, the interesting matchup. To me, though, for this this game coming up on Sunday, which is an important one, too, when you're looking at the standings in the NFC, especially in the playoffs, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting how they counter a Seattle Seahawks offense that has been a lot more prolific than I'm used to seeing, and it's without Marshawn Lynch. They put up, they've averaged over 30 points in the last three games. They put up over a, almost 1,000 yards on offense the last two wins yep. against San Francisco and Pittsburgh. And they're doing it on the arm of Russell Wilson. Eight touchdowns, zero picks over the last two games. And Thomas Rawls, this kid that came out of nowhere to replace Marshawn Lynch for the past couple games, right. has been running really well. So to me, it's going to be an interesting test to see then how does Mike Zimmer want to go ahead and, and contain a Russell Wilson what I'm hearing from players and from coaches at Winter Park is that they view this a lot like kind of Aaron Rodgers. Not that Russell Wilson has necessarily as great of an arm as Aaron Rodgers, but he can get out of the pocket and make throws on the run, just like Rodgers can. Right. And so I expect them to execute a similar rush plan. I don't think they're going to blitz Russell Wilson very much. I want to see, though, on the back end, are they going to give the same respect maybe to deep passes as they did to, to Roddy White, to Julio Jones against the Falcons. I expect them maybe to bring Harrison Smith up more into the box. So it'll be interesting to see how they defend that. But, Judd, without Jimmy Graham, without Marshawn Lynch, did you expect a quarterback like Russell Wilson to be able to carry an offense perhaps the way he has the last couple of weeks? You know, it, it's interesting because his maturation, I guess I didn't know what to expect just in the sense that I saw him play on a Monday night about a month and a half ago, and you want to talk about a bad offensive line. The, the Vikings have certainly had their problems, but uh, the, the Monday night crew was going through the Seahawks' offensive line at that time. They traded Unger, their center, uh, in the Graham yeah. trade. With the a first-round pick. With a, yeah, which was absolutely <laughs> crazy uh, because their offensive line in the game that I saw them on a Monday night, I want to say they had two or three converted defensive linemen from college who they had put on an offensive line. I mean, you the Vikings looked like a, like a Canton-bound <laughs> Hall of Fame offensive line compared to that. But yep. the thing with Wilson is we've never really known – we've known he's a smart quarterback and can be accurate 
and can move. But we've never really, really known what he can do completely because the Seahawks, much like the Vikings now, were smart enough not to put the entire thing on his shoulders. They had they, they previously had a better offensive line than this, a run game and things like that. And this is why I really look at this game. And if the Packers are the team that the Vikings are chasing in the north, which they are, I really think that what the Vikings are going to see at TCF Bank Stadium on, uh, on Sunday is the blueprint of what they're after. And I've been saying that for a long time. I really think when you look at the Seahawks team, this is the team that the Vikings sat down and Zimmer and Spielman said, this is what we want. Now, you don't go about it the exact same way, but think about it. Defense, it starts with defense, right? And then when you go to the offensive side of the ball, you go to a young quarterback who you count on to be productive enough but doesn't ever have to be outstanding because you have what? A run game. So to me, what this is Sunday is the Vikings are looking in the mirror and saying, this is what we were after. They now get a chance to find out how close they are to potentially emulating and or surpassing that. Yeah, and if you want to look at matchups this season and kind of how this is similar to teams they've played, it's like facing a St. Louis Rams team on steroids, essentially. Like a, a better, yeah. a much better St. Louis yes. Rams team is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Because obviously Russell Wilson is far and beyond the quarterback Nick Foles is not. When you look at this, though, I, I think you're right, Judd. Just the philosophy and the style of play of each team, it's interesting to see that Seattle does look like a Vikings group that is maybe two, three years down the road, something yeah. like that, because obviously the maturation of Russell Wilson is a key part on why this offense. Now they're 6-5. and five. They struggled out of the gate. Uh, they, they looked lost without Dan Quinn running uh, the defensive controls. Mm -hmm. And those struggles, at least on defense, seem to still be there. But they're protecting the quarterback a lot better than they had at the start of the season. Which is the key step. And, and they've Huge. adjusted. Yes, and that's the biggest step in, in terms of me of why they're able to thrive on offense without uh, Jimmy Graham clicking right away, without Marshawn Lynch the past couple games, and why they might be able to have success against this Vikings defense. Question uh, for you. Now, the last five games or so, four or five games, the Vikings went from blitzing more often to pulling back on on that and as we've talked about uh, several times before part of the reason was you looked at the list of quarterbacks and said if we blitz those guys they could pick us apart Zimmer likes to go game by game I mean defensively the Vikings are very very smart do we maybe are we maybe underestimating the ability to blitz in in this game would they go back to that a little bit more just to change things up? Because I would take it the one thing that you would love to do, because you know that Wilson can operate on the move, but at least if you make him uncomfortable, that might get, give you an edge. Could we be looking at a game where the Vikings look at this offensive line as a, still a potential weakness and get a, a little bit more aggressive than we've seen, say, against uh, Green Bay? Or the Falcons. I mean, it's certainly possible. I think, though, that when you saw what they did against Aaron Rodgers and hearing them, hearing the Vikings, some players and coaches kind of draw that comparison between Russell Wilson and Rodgers in terms of how you rush him, yep. it makes me think that they're going to – it's possible. But I think one reason, too, is not just the prolific passers on why they backed off the blitz. It's also because of the health of their linebackers. Eric Kendricks had that rib injury for a while. You're putting Chad sure. Greenway in his place for a couple games. And then, obviously, Anthony Barr has played with a broken hand. And Mike Zimmer said it, I think it was this week, where he said Barr basically was playing with one hand for a couple games. He felt more comfortable last week in Atlanta. You saw him kind of cut him loose a little bit more. Obviously, that fourth down sack to basically seal the game. I expect them maybe to cut Anthony Barr loose a little bit more again. Eric Kendricks still isn't fully healthy either. So I think the health of those linebackers does play into it a little bit more than just who they're facing at quarterback. Makes sense. But I think Russell Wilson is, is perhaps more elusive than Aaron Rodgers. And, and, I would agree with that right now. And, yes. and that's why I, th I think even more so they might back off the blitz. So, no, I don't necessarily think that this is a game where they feel it's an opportunity to just rush this quarterback a bunch. 
they did that more against immobile quarterbacks. They they did that against Philip Rivers, who's not known for you know making plays with his feet. Stafford. They did that against uh, Stafford, Cutler. So they did that more against immobile QBs. So I don't I don't expect that to happen right out of the gate. What I expect them to do is play more laterally, play deeper coverages. You saw what Seattle did: five touchdowns passes from Russell Wilson against the Pittsburgh Steelers. All five of those came from inside the pocket. So you still got to be able to try and make him uncomfortable while rushing him with four or five or whatever you choose to do. And and Pittsburgh was not able to do that. They were not able to get to Russell Wilson. That was a big reason why they gave up 39 points. So when I look at this, I think they're going to get creative. And I saw it against Atlanta where Mike Zimmer didn't necessarily rush more than four, but he got creative with how he rushed four. It was zone blitzes, zone drops. It was moving Daniil Hunter off of the line of scrimmage to cover a uh, flat route while sending Captain Munlin off the edge. Those are the kind of things I expect them to do. Okay. Be a little bit more creative with their four-man rushes, not do the thing you saw against the uh, San Diego Chargers or, or the Lions. Don't bring the house. Where it was just creative, Yeah, where it's right. a, basically we were literally going to rip out the kitchen sink of the bathroom and throw it at Jay Cutler. I some do that at one point, actually. I yeah. think they did. Well, no, Stan Kroenke was actually walling off the bathroom. <laughs> was, they wouldn't said, let him in. You can't come in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm moving my team, and you can't come in the bathroom. I, so I don't expect them to necessarily do that. I, I think you're going to see more of the creative stuff, kind of subtle stuff, where it's it's more sure. of the subtle rushes and those kinds of things to try and get uh, Russell Wilson guessing and off guard. Key question, is Harrison Smith back for this game? Harrison Smith returned to practice. Now, Harrison did practice on Friday on a limited basis before he was downgraded out, obviously, for the Falcons game. He's got a sprained knee. He practiced today on Wednesday. Wednesday, we're recording this podcast. I talked to him after practice, and obviously he was mum about what specific type of injury he's got, but the fact that he was able to practice today is a good sign, yes. I think, going forward. Yes. He said, after Friday's workout, I should have a good idea on whether or not he should be able to go, which is obviously kind of par for the course. I think Harrison will play, just gauged on what I saw. The fact that he's practicing on Wednesday, yeah. the one day that a lot of guys just kind of take the day off if yeah. they have that kind of injury. I think it's a good, and that's good for them. Now, Sandejo was out, and so that means, but but if you're replacing He's one, got a knee as well, it, correct? It, it, it does, yeah. He had an MRI okay. on Friday, or on Monday, excuse me, of this week, and so we are unclear exactly of what his injury is, but not going out on a limb here. If you're going to lose one safety, it's going to be Andrew Sandejo. Yeah, no question <laughs> about it. And and we should explain that um, when guys, now now with Peterson, it's different, but when a guy like uh, like Harrison Smith misses a Wednesday or Thursday practice, that's a big deal because the game plan essentially and the tough practices are Wednesday, Thursday. I've and always Wednesday, Thursday are the full ones yeah, where they install the game I've always been dubious stuff, yeah. if you practice on a fr- a Friday. A Friday practice is a glorified walkthrough lots of times. Yep. So so going out on the field on a Friday is if you're banged up, basically to sort of test it out a little bit. But, yeah, I, I would say that the fact that he returned for a Wednesday practice, and even if he is uh, only able to take part in a, por- a portion of practice, excuse me, on Wednesday or Thursday, that's probably a very significant step. Yeah, and the only kind of eye-raising thing that happened on Wednesday's practice was Linval Joseph was not out there. Linval had limited snaps on Sunday. He only played 39 to Sharif Floyd's 44, so he was clearly limited by some kind of injury. We'll know when the official report comes out exactly what he's dealing with. Okay. But that's a big loss, especially oh, against a Seattle offensive line that has been vulnerable at times. Uh, I'm actually checking my phone right now to see that Linval Joseph. Oh, I is, thought you were just being rude, is, like no, most of the dealing youth with, of America right now. Linval and, Joseph is dealing with a foot injury, according to the okay. Minnesota Vikings injury report that came out ten minutes ago. He so. uh, he limped off the field at one point on Sunday, correct against yes. the Falcons? Yes. 
And so if he's dealing with a foot injury, that's something where a big dude, you you got to give it some time. So we'll see going forward. But Seattle likes to run the ball, and therefore this is a significant deal. That'd be big, too, because they already lost their backup nose tackle in Shamar Stefan. Mm -hmm. Basically, they pulled a guy off the street in Kenrick Ellis, who they've given 10 snaps a game tops. And so if that's a guy that's got to sub in and start. Now, Sharif is able to play that nose position, but he's no Linval Joseph, obviously, with that size. So that would be a big loss for them because Thomas Rawls, a guy who Sharif Floyd was asked about today and said, who? Uh, did he really? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and now, now I tweeted that out because I knew it was going to bait Seattle Seahawks fans. Okay, and it's and pretty it funny. Oh, they were pissed. They were like, "Oh my god, he doesn't." He doesn't they're know. disrespecting him. He doesn't own him on his fantasy listen, team. Listen, NFL players when they watch film, they don't they don't sit there with a roster and say, "Oh, that's Thomas Rawls. He was so and so. He majored in X." No, they look at numbers. They see number thirty four. That's if if the question were posed and said, "How about number thirty four? Sharif Floyd would have known who we were talking sure. about. But because it was Thomas Rawls, who I believe is a rookie this year and kind of came out of nowhere. Not going to know what he's talking about, but he's got 685 yards this year. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry, replacing Marshawn Lynch, and he's going to be a threat more so, in my opinion, than Tevin Coleman was in Atlanta. And Tevin Coleman obviously put up over 100 yards on these Vikings, just the third running back to top 100 yards against the Vikings this season. Mm-hmm. Thomas Rawls might be the fourth if Linval Joseph is not there. So, Judd, to me, not only containing Russell Wilson, but stopping the run. This really flips a script, in my opinion, of how you view the Seattle Seahawks. You always view them going in as, oh boy, you better be able to deal with the Legion of Boom in this in this defense. Now we're worried more so about the offense if you're the Minnesota Vikings. This Vikings team, though, really it plays against strength against strength because the Vikings have not allowed a lot of big plays through the air. And a lot of that has to do with how they're playing on the back end in coverage. They play great, in my opinion, eliminating Julio Jones. You throw Xavier Rhodes on him. Yes. Xavier's been a penalty magnet this entire year, and he goes out and plays one of his best games of the year against Julio Jones. That revives your confidence in him. Uh, obviously, Terrence Newman, Captain Marlon, have been playing a good ball, so I think that's going to be a good matchup for the Vikings. Strength against strength. It's going to fall on Adrian Peterson's shoulders. To pivot, though, about Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of comparisons for this week. You're going to see a lot of stories in the headlines about Teddy Bridgewater and Russell Wilson, similar quarterbacks. Judd, to you, are they similar quarterbacks? They are asked, I think, in the scheme of what these teams want to do, they are asked to play, how can I put this, similar roles. That doesn't make them similar quarterbacks, if that makes sense. They are both, Russell Wilson's success came through the fact that the Seahawks didn't basically get him, draft him, uh, in the third round, by the way, he won the job, and they didn't say, okay, kid, you won the job. It's all on your shoulders. No, they said, we have a good offense here. We have a run game. We want you to be smart. Russell Wilson took advantage of that, and I don't think ever should be penalized for that. Deserves credit. I think the Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater have done a similar thing, and that's this is why they worked, and to their credit, because Adrian Peterson has been phenomenal, and he's he's had a far better year than I expected. That being said... The Vikings did work this hard to get him back so that the pressure wasn't on their their quarterback. It took him a couple games with Bridgewater. It did take him about a month or so to figure out exactly how to divvy up the pie a little bit. That being said, where where they have landed now with Bridgewater is very similar uh, to what the Seahawks did with Wilson in that you're not asking the world from him to win. You're asking him to be good. If Bridgewater thrives, that's fantastic. I wouldn't compare them as quarterbacks because of Wilson's success so far, which is much greater than Bridgewater's, but where I would compare the situation is the team isn't asking 
Neither team asked the quarterback to go out there and consistently just win games single-handedly for us. What they said was, here's your role. How much can you handle? We might be seeing the rebirth, though, of Russell Wilson right now in terms of what he is being asked to do. Because sure. without Marshawn Lynch, he really is being asked to take more on his but shoulders. But he's been allowed to mature. I mean, True, this, you're right. This, yep. is, this is the idea. This is why I get so frustrated when teams draft quarterbacks and just say, okay, we drafted you. Now win for us. That's not fair. What you need to do is you either need to let the kids sit and watch for a while, which to me is ideal, or if nothing else, when you put them in there, you need to slowly feed them what they need to, need to do. Now, Wilson might be at a point where he can win games, um, but with Bridgewater, it's the same thing. If you expect him to go out there and just win games, it's a silly notion. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and obviously they're not doing that right now with the Minnesota Vikings. And what Norv Turner and Scott Turner are doing is exactly that, is they're feeding Teddy Bridgewater slowly. They're not they're not loosening the reins all that much, especially when you have an offense that's driven by the best running back in football. And honestly, we're not talking enough about how Adrian Peterson's played because he's he's been phenomenal. I know. He's just, I think he's fewer than 100 yards shy of his 2012 pace. Now, obviously, this last six games or however many, five games is when he really did take off in 2012. Right. Uh, but this, the way Adrian Peterson has been running at 30 years old, and you think too, with this kind of back, with with the kind of pounding he takes behind this offensive line, and the amount of carries he's getting, this is the point where you thought, oh well, he's going to statistically fall off because this is just where you take so much beating, you just aren't healthy enough, and this is kind of where you fall off. Uh, he's been getting better throughout, and through the more hits he's taken, and if anything, he's kind of getting into his own groove again mm-hmm. and really taking over. But to the point with Teddy Bridgewater, I totally agree with you in that. Right now, we're seeing basically what Russell Wilson was. Now, they're way different quarterbacks, different skill sets. Russell runs better, in my opinion. He's obviously got a bigger arm. Uh, and Teddy, I think, is, is maybe a little bit has better vision in terms of in the pocket and when to get out of there. But when you're looking at what Teddy Bridgewater is right now, it basically is what Russell Wilson was kind of his second year in terms of the kind of offense he's in. Not to repeat what you were saying, but that's exactly it. You're right in, in that Russell it's Wilson. It's the ask. It's, it's, it's what am I asking of you. Those things to me are very similar. Yeah, and, and that's Teddy Bridgewater right now is not going to be asked to win this game. And now you're going to see, hopefully down the road, if you're the Vikings and, and you're a fan of them, what you want to see in Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday, which is the guy who does take over four years down the road, whenever that's going to be for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see, obviously, the Russell Wilson stuff. A little inside baseball about Russell Wilson. The Vikings uh, apparently wanted him pretty bad in 2012, a few people in the building. Mm -hmm. And they decided instead, because they needed a corner, to take Josh Robinson in the third round. There were people, and apparently, obviously, they didn't want to go ahead and take a second quarterback in back-to-back years, having just taken Christian Ponder. (laughs) But there were people, apparently, that were banging the table uh, for Russell Wilson in that draft in the third round, and they eventually took Josh Robinson. And if you recall, part of the reason for that, my guess, and this is total guess on my part, do you remember the... um uh, Wilson's one season at Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, the Badgers played at TCF Bank Stadium, mm-hmm. and I believe that day against the Gophers, uh, Russell Wilson had one incompletion the entire game. He was phenomenal. I want to say uh, Al Toon's kid dropped a catchable ball. Not a. It, it was a tough catch, but I believe he dropped that pass. And I think if you if you look it up, Russell Wilson had one incompletion that entire game, and that was the thing about his accuracy. Uh, in those situations was phenomenal. But I'm not surprised that certain people who drafted Christian Ponder might have thrown up a roadblock and said, we're not taking a quarterback. And until about uh, a month and a half ago, Andrew, the running joke was, if you look it up from that draft, Brock Osweiler went in the second round, and Russell Wilson went in the third round. And people said, Brock Osweiler went ahead of (laughs) Russell Wilson. And now we're not laughing about that because Brock Oswald is actually playing pretty well in relief of Peyton Manning. 
He is. Who would have thought that? Well, I, place I, of Peyton Manning. I still, yeah, not in relief. I think we might have seen the end of Peyton yeah, Manning. Peyton Manning. It will be a relief when Peyton retires. Oof. And Kobe and Tiger and all those guys. Who would have thought you pass the all-time mark for passing yards and get benched in the same game? But oh, that's a great. You're right. That's a great story. Anyway, yeah, with Russell Wilson, it's a situation where Manny could have ended up anywhere, and you can't give credit to any scouting department or any team because everybody passed on him for two rounds. What's this game, in your opinion, I'm going to do because Seattle is physically so tough what's this game going to do as far as uh, as taking it out of the vikings then when they have to turn around on thursday and come back and play the cardinals as well because that to me is is an underlying part of the storyline because what the what the vikings have to do now is they have to play on uh, on sunday at home and then you turn around and my guess is they're very quietly starting the coaches are starting to do some scouting on the cardinals right now absolutely and we'll do that a short week yeah. yeah and so basically you're going to get beat up on sunday and uh, turn around on Wednesday and get on a plane and fly to Arizona to play a game against another very good team on Thursday. Yeah, I think this is going to be the toughest, probably most physical defense, just in terms of the bodies and talent uh, that they've faced probably since Denver. I mean, obviously St. Louis's front was was phenomenal, but on the back end they weren't as talented. I think Seattle from across the board, even though they did lose a couple guys, they still have the main guys there, and uh, and they're still very physical. And I think you're right. That is going to put a pounding on them, and they already have a bunch of guys injured. I think leading up to just two weeks ago, I mean, they had 13 guys on the injury report. Now they've got something like uh, seven or eight, and that's only going to add up if, if they keep getting injured in practice. So you see these kinds of things, and that's going to that's gonna have a big effect, in my opinion, on, on going forward because this is a very physical Seattle team, and they're going to face another physical team in Arizona. So yep. that is going to have some kind of an effect on them and impact in traveling. This is going to be a stretch – we said it a couple weeks ago, but and they're in the middle of it, a, a season-defining stretch, really, for what this team is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you said it before, if they go 2-2 two and two across these four games, when we're talking about starting with Green Bay to Atlanta and then all of a sudden now to Seattle and Arizona, if they can split these next two games, Judd, they're in good shape, sitting at 9-4 and four in control of the NFC North, depending on what Green Bay does. But, man, has Green Bay been a dumpster fire? And we're going to watch them on Thursday, I believe, against uh, Detroit. Detroit, that's right. And that's an interesting point that you bring up because I'm pretty convinced now uh, that there's a very good chance in a week or so we are going to look back and say that Green Bay loss, as bad as that loss was, as, as much as the Packers won by in the point differential, was a bad loss. Because the Packers, for, for the Vikings, because the Packers look like, you're right, they look like a mess right now. The team that we saw against Chicago on Thanksgiving night was a complete mess. Well, and like looking past it, that was probably a bad win for Green Bay because that that made probably everybody feel like, oh, we're back. No, we're good. No, we're right. fine. No, it's good. It's yeah. Oh, Randall Cobb dropped four passes, but we're fine. We're yep. good. And then they get obviously shellacked by Chicago, and then now they face Detroit. But uh, I think the Vikings have to feel good about where they're at in the mm-hmm. division and, and who they're up against. Because look, they played Detroit at the absolute right time. When they were imploding, yes, and now all they of a sudden, got them twice. You're right. Yeah, now all of a sudden Detroit is surging. They they got Chicago, the, the trip to Soldier Field out of the way before Chicago looks like they're improving, and then obviously with Green Bay struggling now, it looks like they'll face them at the end of the season reeling. So they have to feel good about where they're at, and if they somehow get a home playoff game, winning the division, wow! I don't think now a lot of people had high expectations for this roster and this team going into it. But with a second-year quarterback, second year in a defensive scheme under Mike Zimmer, I don't think many people thought they'd be division champions in the no. second year. I said eight wins, and I and, said nine and seven. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. and and I said eight wins w- with the philosophy that this team was trending in a positive way too. I didn't say that. That is, I looked at the schedule and said, yeah, it's a tough schedule. Uh, but yeah, if they go, if they can come out of this a uh, four-game stretch at two and two, and then go and then get Chicago at home, which might be a tough game, but you can win that game. You get the Giants, and you talk about a dumpster fire. The NFC East is a complete joke. Now, the Giants are a weird team. It can pop up, but you get them at home. 
there's a very good chance that you can go to go to Green Bay on what January third, yeah, yep. in really really good shape. And that's a game that's a game that at the start of the year you basically said, I wonder if the Packers are going to play their starters for much of that game because they're probably going to have won the division by so many games at that point. <laughs> and now there's a chance that that could be for the the division title or that the Vikings could, could be Wait, completely the, in the driver's are seat. Are the by Vikings going to be resting starters? <laughs> that's the scary thing about this. Is that a topic? A of game lead, is yeah. that a topic of conversation at some point here? Because the Packers. Man, unless they – I don't – here's the problem with Packers. I wonder Packers. if Mike Zimmer's even a coach that would do that, though. That's interesting to think. But it, getting away. But I, I, the thing with the Packers is the more you watch them, I, I don't know that this is completely fixable. I mean, Cobb's being double-teamed in the slot. Cobb's not having the year that we thought he would, and he's being double-teamed all the time, which takes him away a lot of times. Because, Roger, what's the one fundamental thing about Rodgers, no matter what happens, is what? He's not going to throw a dumb pass, right? So if Cobb's being double teamed, which he is, he's not going to try and force the ball to him. Adams is is hurt, and you can't trust him. And the real, the real fly in the ointment for the Packers is this: they don't have a tight end who can catch a ball right now. No, I mean Richard Rodgers run the right route, right? Exactly. So, so the problem is, I really think the largest issue for uh, for the Packers at this point is Aaron Rodgers isn't going to throw dumb passes. But he's almost forced to either throw down passes, eat the ball, or be conservative. So they are. I The one thing that I was completely wrong about and for a long time looked like they would be okay was when Jordy Nelson got hurt. I said, you know what? It's still Aaron flipping Rodgers. He'll be fine, right? The Jordy Nelson injury was way more catastrophic than I think I it's because be. mainly we found out what Randall Cobb is or isn't yeah. too with all that because no, we never really right. saw what Randall Cobb was as a number one guy but oh and James Jones too who runs about as well as yours truly <laughs> and who's got cut by two teams in the offseason exactly. and somehow their leading touchdown grabber but exactly. let's pivot a little bit and talk about Sharif Floyd Judd yeah now what, talk about what's Shreve this Floyd. tell me what the segment it's, is it's it's a where are we at it's basically just looking at a young player weekly with the Minnesota Vikings and assessing where exactly the Minnesota Vikings and this player are at in their development and in the scheme and what the expectation should be for said player. Okay. Uh, we've done Teddy Bridgewater last week. We did Trey Waynes. Now I wanted to pivot to Sharif Floyd, a guy who's been marred by injuries, uh, nicks, cuts, bangs, and Mike Zimmer in the offseason. I was at the Combine, actually, said he was asked about Sharif Floyd. I remember because I was there. He was at the podium in Indianapolis, and he was asked, and Mike Zimmer just said, he kind of paused and went, well, if he could just realize it's a big man's game, you know, if he just realize it's a big man's game. And now he is talking about a 280-pound defensive tackle, uh, but in terms of playing through injuries, and that is with the context that Shree Floyd was replacing a guy in Kevin Williams who missed three games to injury in 11 years. Yep. He missed two more to a suspension, but th- two, three games to injury the entire time. Yep. He's a guy who played through a lot of nicks, cuts, bangs, played at nose tackle when they needed him to, did all the dirty work and all the things, and that's what they want to see out of Shree Floyd. Where we're at right now with Shree Floyd, he came back from that knee injury. He had uh, knee uh, surgery, actually, to take a bit of cartilage out that was bothersome for him. He also had an ankle sprain that he was dealing with. Missed three games this season. That frustrated coaches enough. Finally came back, and they had to ease him into it now, and he's just been playing about 30 snaps a game. We finally saw, though, in Atlanta, that burst come back. Now, the trademark thing with Sharif Floyd is his quick feet. Now, the knock on him has always been, well, he's got these alligator arms. He's got these short arms, and how is he supposed to attack a quarterback or hold up a block when he can't even tie his own shoes? The biggest thing with him, though, is his quick feet make up for any kind of, any kind of, you know, it's the same thing with the skinny knees of Teddy Bridgewater. Just look at the traits, though, that help make up for any kind of deficiencies physically that he has. 
his quick feet, we finally saw that come back. And when you didn't see that right away, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle. When you look at this Vikings defense, you don't look at Sharif Floyd. You haven't, at least this year. You look at Linval Joseph. You look at Anthony Barr. You look at Xavier Harrison. You look at Everson Griffin. Those are the guys that have been making plays for him. But Sharif Floyd still has the potential to be the Geno Atkins of this defense. He still has the potential to be one of the highest-paid defensive tackles in this league. Mm-hmm. When you talk to coaches, they bang the table about that because they understand the potential he has. He needs to stay healthy. I think, though, and I bring him up this week because he could have a huge game on Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks run a zone-blocking scheme that Shreve Floyd feasts off of because his quickness is able to break through those kinds of zones when you don't have a man just tied to you, when you don't have a guy just jumping off the ball to hit you specifically. That's where a quick player can thrive. And look at what Shreve Floyd's better games have come on. It was against a zone-blocking scheme in Kansas City. Uh, when that was actually the game he got hurt, but he played through it. He had one of his better games there. He had a better game, even though the Vikings got trucked by Eddie Lacy. He had a good game against the Green Bay Packers in their zone blocking scheme. I think he can have another good game against the Seattle Seahawks here. And the Linval Joseph injury might actually help if, let's just say for some reason, that Linval Joseph can't play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Seattle might be thinking, well, we could run the ball up the middle. And that's where Sharif Floyd might be able to actually thrive and take advantage of that. But where we're at right now with Sharif Floyd is a guy who's got so much potential, and they're still using that P word, coaches are, with Sharif, because he hasn't stayed healthy. And that's his biggest thing. That's the biggest knock on Sharif Floyd out of anything, is his inability to stay healthy and stay on the field. And you got nothing in the NFL if you're not able to stay on the field. And healthy, I'm, I'm using that word uh, relatively here because nobody in the NFL is healthy, but playing through injuries, playing right. hurt. That's something you need to see from Sharif Floyd. And he's still capable of being one of the stars of this defense right now. He's just being overshadowed. And honestly, I think he's still very much capable of having a big game because I saw that burst against the Falcons. I saw him get up the field and make a couple plays. And that's what you want to see pass rushing wise. He's actually been better against the run because in his pass rushes, what they want to see him do is tone it back a little bit more. He's he overruns things because he's you know whether it's too fast whatever you want to call it he's not able to slow himself down it's like Anderson Deho just completely overrunning a backer and missing the angle because he's just coming in too hot right. that's the biggest thing with Sharif Floyd and his pass rushing they want to see him cut back cut that back a little bit be a little bit more under control when he's getting through there because mm-hmm. he can wreak havoc problem is a lot of times he's kind of just flying by the play so arms are too small too arms are too small that's the that, problem. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, come back here come back here my little arms can't get you get back here. Maybe one thing, if you had a long wingspan, maybe you'll be able to catch somebody as he drives by him. But that's where we're at with Shreve Floyd, a guy who needs to stay healthy, needs to stay on the field because he still very much has the potential to be a big playmaker in this defense. Is a feeling among the, the Vikings and the coaching staff that um, that he can't stay healthy, or is the feeling that his pain tolerance needs to be higher? It's both. It because is. there's because a big difference. When you have surgery to take out a piece of cartilage, that is something where, okay, yeah. something is seriously yeah, you're wrong hurt. there. Right. He is hurt there. Uh, but last year with that kind of bruised knee where he missed four starts, that was a situation where Mike Zimmer, you don't need to read between the lines. He said, look, you know, toughen up. Kevin Williams, I covered him um, the first year I covered the Vikings, he, 2004 into five. He uh, he tore his meniscus, and he played in 2005. And he did not play like himself, but he played. And that's the thing about it. And I think coaches, coaches are willing to tolerate players like that not playing up to their standards because they're still so good. But the other thing is, they a guy like that. I mean, that's a painful problem to to have. And he was never right in two thousand five. But Kevin kept playing and kept playing. And that's I think that's what coaches appreciate the most. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, when they got a guy like Tom Johnson, who is capable of stepping in there and starting and being that same sure. guy, not not the same guy because Tom is a little 
weaker against the but run. But he's not a bad player. But he's not a bad player. And so they don't have that drop-off. So I think that's why they were able to say, okay, Sharif, take your time coming back. Sure. But now that he's getting there, it's been three games, I believe, now that he's been back since that surgery. And so now that he's kind of getting full up to speed, they're going to cut him loose, and they're going to see what he can do on Sunday against the Seahawks. So that is where we're at with Sharif Floyd. Judd, do you got anything else? No, no, no. I'm I'm good. You I'm good? good. I appreciate you know. I'm, I'm sure Derek will be back next week. So uh, I just appreciate you allowing me to come in late in the game like this and fill in for uh, for Derek. I guess I'd be comparable. Yeah. I'd be comparable to Sean Hill right now. Everybody I think, right? needs their. You know what? But I'm we're, Sean Hill. We're right? going to get you that extra oil can too to loosen up the arm. I'm number bit. thirteen. I'm coming in. Some <laughs> ducks are flying around. Some some not so hot sports takes. They're just sort of like wobbly Luke, takes. Kind of lukewarm. Yeah, yeah. Seattle's a tough team. Yeah, Seattle's a real tough. It just sort of you know. <laughs> but I got us through the game. I got us through the game. And now I'm just going to say, you know, I hope Derek's back N- next week. I have no idea what's wrong. I'm just going to take it day by day and allow the coaching staff to determine when Derek returns. And Derek's not here to shoot down all those awful sports cliches, which is something he does on this podcast. If I say something like that, yeah. he will stop the podcast for five minutes and be like, no, 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 no. We need to cut down that cliche I because hope it's terrible. that you make fun of, of his baseball, his precious baseball stuff then. I do all the time. And, and he's on baseball time, too, which is just always okay. Isn't baseball uh, time uh, the greatest? Just explain that briefly. I love baseball oh, time. Well, baseball time is just I'll get there when I get up there you know terry ryan's gonna be down there he's gonna be sitting there eating lunch i don't need to go down baseball there right time, away baseball time football practice access to football practice starts at a certain time right oh you know, and, and it's always before they'll yeah, say 11 o'clock but, I mean, but it's 10 you gotta be there yeah. right oh absolutely baseball practice is oh yeah they're having BP, but it goes for uh, 45. I'm going to go to Batty. I'm going to just watch Sano hit today. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to see the rest of them The hit. GM's available, but he's available every day. Can you imagine I don't if Rick Spielman to... had to be available every day? Oh, my God. He probably... Somebody wouldn't make it out of the room. Yeah. It'd be Rick. <laughs> Rick would Rick would make sure he didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. It was fun. Uh, all right, guys. I want to thank you for taking another Purple Podcast. Please check us out on SoundCloud, the website, 1500ESPN.com iTunes podcast one podcast one yeah. everywhere you take us we're in. big we're we're blowing up I'm gonna I'm taking over you know this what thing. this you, podcast you, one thing is great you listeners you can say I listened to them before they were on podcast one exactly can, right but when we were cool which we're you know probably what? not I got an idea screw the Chargers the Rams the Raiders we're moving to California we're going to LA you and I are going to Studio. Los Angeles podcast one <laughs> from Los Angeles forget those football teams we're going. Uh, Wetmore and Mackie can have their precious baseball <laughs> twins podcast. We're Call going, us when you want to yeah, talk football. We're going L.A. We're going to do a National Football League podcast. We'll be in the sun. It'll be the first sun we've gotten in four months. All right, guys, thanks again for checking out the podcast. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point a finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us.
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.